Hey, welcome to the AOL Podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message with Pastor Travis Bennett. How many of y'all know we ought to honor the Word of God? So it says this, it says in Matthew 21, when they approached Jerusalem and had reached Beth, Bethphage, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and at once you will find a donkey tied, Eeyore, and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you should say, the Lord needs them. The Lord, everybody say, the Lord needs them and without delay the owner will send them with you this happened so that what was spoken by the prophet would be fulfilled saying tell the daughter of zion the people of jerusalem behold your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey even a colt the foal of the beast of burden then the disciples went and did as jesus had instructed them and they brought the donkey and the colt And placed their coats on them. And Jesus sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road as before a king. While others were cutting branches before the trees from the trees and spreading them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him were shouting in praise and adoration. Hosanna to the son of David. Messiah. Blessed. Blessed. Praise glorified is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, all the city was trembling, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Look at your neighbor and say, You'd look like you could use a little church. Look at your other neighbor and say, You're my second choice. But happy Palm Sunday to you. Amen. Amen. Well, who's thankful to be in the house of the Lord today? I'll say that one more time. Who's thankful to be in the house of the Lord today? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Uh, I really really struggled with which one to go with. How many of y'all know when, uh, those of you that have studied the word, you know this, if there is a story in Matthew, Mark, in Luke and John's gospel, it's a pretty important passage because all of them didn't necessarily see what the other one saw, and it's called the harmony of the gospel. So if Matthew is saying do, Mark was saying re or re, uh, and Luke was saying, you know, the others, me, Bob, you know, how, how it goes. But one was singing bass, the other sang tenor. I'm not going to go down that road. Okay, but anyways... All of them saw it from a different path, so I really, really um, didn't know which direction that I was going to go about talking about this. But I, I, um, I was thinking about how much Jesus has changed my life, and I was thinking about how uh, how Jesus, when he was coming up over the Mount of Olives there, and how he was looking across Jerusalem, and you know he had to see all the things that he was going to go through. And how much? How many of y'all would say this that Jesus has changed your life? Come on, let me say that one more time. How many of y'all would say proudly that Jesus has changed your life, that you were once a sinner, now you're saved? One time there was sickness in your body, but the Lord Jehovah Rapha, he's the God who heals. There was a time in your life where you were a loser, and now Jehovah uh, uh, Nisi, he he is the God of victory for us. He's Jehovah Sikhanu, he is our righteousness. And so we can all lift our hands. We're in here today because we can say that he's changed our life. 
And if you, you're not at that place where you could say he's changed your life, I believe that today that uh, the gospel as it's presented to you, that you will say, you know what, I'm going to make a decision to follow after Jesus. And so I was thinking about this. There are some th- other things that have, I could say that have changed my life. I've, I've been to exciting football games. I've been to some exciting uh, baseball games. I haven't been to the Super Bowl, but uh, I'm not opposed to it. So if you have tickets, I would love to go. Uh, I, I also, too, um, I've never been to the Masters. The Masters coming up. I've been, I, I love to golf, and so I've been listening to golf radio over the last couple of weeks, and uh, all the guys are going to be inside of that. But I'd love to go to Augusta. Again, if you have tickets... And uh, if it's on your heart, in fact, internet, those of you that are watching, if there's any of you that would like to send me Augusta, I would love to go. I mean, I'd love to eat the food there, pimento sandwiches. I would love to have it all, right? All of it. But, you know, I have done some things, and one of them that I'm thinking about is the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas, Nevada. I've been several times. Not to rub it in, but I've been a lot. And I remember the very first time that I went, uh, I had been watching this, and I love the sport of rodeo. Now, if you, if you don't love rodeo, shame on you. But if you don't love ro- rodeo, uh, I, I'll t- you may not get this, but I believe I'll speak with passion enough to under, you, will, you will get my vibe. But I love the sport of rodeo, and I, I mean, I get pro rodeo sports news. I always know in every event who is at the top 15 or the top 20. I follow it. I love the, the animals in it. I love, I love that it's patriotic and that they love America. I love it that they pray before, you know, in that Bob Tomlin voice. You know, I, I, just, I just love it. You know, I just love everything about it. And so for years, I had watched it on ESPN2. Those of you that are rodeo people, you know what I'm talking about. When it'd come on at like 1 o'clock in the morning and you were crazy enough to stay up and watch it. And uh, I, I would watch it. But I remember the first time I told people in the first service that I was, I was in love with Pastor Brandy. I thought she was beautiful and we clicked. But then I found out that her dad had a ranch and he had tickets to the National Finals Rodeo. I thought, I have got to marry this woman. <laughs> but it was love that did it, really. <laughs> the tickets helped. But <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got real bad looks in the first service, didn't I, Pastor Robert? <laughs> I'm going to pay for that later. But she's not here in the second service. I can say whatever I want to, all right? Uh, and so I remember walking up the steps of the Thomas and Mack Center right there in Las Vegas. I remember uh, walking up uh, and, um, man, and having on, the, on our ticket, having the picture of the, the, the person or whatever event it was that night of all 10 rounds, they have a, uh, a, the, the champion from the year before, they have him on side of the ticket. It's so cool. And you walk through, and they have a Hall of Fame place at Thomas and Mack. You go down into the arena, and our, sit, our seats of where we sit are absolutely amazing. And it's loud. I'm talking loud. You can't talk to the person next to you. You get your popcorn. You get your Pepsi. They need to get saved, Nevada. Who drinks Pepsi? My God. But anyways, we get a Pepsi, and we, we go down there, and you have your day sheet, and it begins to start. And with that voice of him praying and, and having uh, singing the national anthem and that horse coming out with a gorgeous mane and tail, Palomino horse, with the, the girl behind it with the, the, the flag, it just makes you proud to be an American. Come on, who else is proud to be an American this morning? 
Amen. Just makes you proud to be an American. And then over, over the, the PA, they said, all right, we're going to see a highlight of what happened last night because it's 10 nights in a row. And they, they always play the same song by Elvis Presley. Bright light city, going to set my soul, going to set my soul on fire. And they have horses bucking. And I mean, you got the smell inside of the room of fresh cow crap and horse crap. And and mixed with smoke from all these lights and flashes and, and smoke across the arena. I mean, and then you have this gust of cold air that's coming from outside because in the desert it gets cold. And, and, and you, you have all of these feelings. And, and Elvis is singing. I'll tell you right now, I was actually in uh, Vegas in December. If you think Elvis is dead, I saw him. I saw him at Paradise and Flamingo. I also saw him crossing the street. He has a cane now and he's much older. But... And he's gained a little more weight from the 70s. But I'm telling you, he's still alive. You go. He's all over the place, all right? He is still alive. He's been resurrected, all right? But, and then they, they come out with the grand entry and every flag that is represented in, in performing at the rodeo and every song, T is for Tennessee. And then they, you know, Texas comes through and Oklahoma. And then uh, they have a tip of the resist all in, in the grand entry. They're all bundled up inside of there, and there's always some kind of horse wreck. And, and I'm telling you, all of it's exciting. They go out of the arena after the tip of the resist all, and I mean, wham, rock and roll music, and they begin to buck horses. Oh, and it's so stinking fun. It's a blast. And then they, I remember the first year that we went was Luke Branquino was still, those of you that are rodeo people, he was still in the bulldog and he did the old booty shake. I got up and did the booty shake too. Come on, while you're there, let's go ahead and do it. The team roping was exciting. This was still during the t days of Speed Williams and Rich Kelton and, and uh, uh, Buck and Bronx. And then this was, the, this was calf roping. This was like, during, when it, Joe Beaver was still in it, and Fred Whitfield and Cody Ole, and there, I mean, bunch of fatheads, that arrogant, awesome ropers. I mean, just excitement inside of the room. And I remember when I got home, I told everybody about my experience at the National Finals Rodeo. Did you know that when you go downtown a casino, there is people that are pretty much naked? I would tell them all kinds of different stuff that happened uh, not only inside of Vegas there, but also to, I mean, the rodeo of how exciting it was and how passionate it was. And as I tell you this this morning, how many of y'all know that I had quite the experience at the National Finals Rodeo, all right? But can I tell you this? They are paying me absolutely nothing. I was just a witness there. I posted about it. I told people to go, that you should go. It'll change your life. It's the most exciting. Even if you don't like rodeo, it is one of the most exciting events that you'll ever go to. But yet, they have paid me absolutely nothing. They've done nothing for me. But can I tell you who has done something for me? Jesus. Come on, how many of y'all would say that somebody has done something for you and his name is Jesus? I'm a brand ambassador of the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, and yet they have absolutely given me nothing. When I go to the National Finals Rodeo to buy a sweatshirt, I still have to pay $110 like everybody else. But can I tell you, when I talk about Jesus and when I think about Jesus, he's changed my life, and God has called me to be a witness. Come on, I can't be passionate about the NFR and not be passionate about what he's done for me. I can't be passionate about how good my kids competed inside of a wrestling match or a baseball tournament or, or 
softball or basketball or whatever it is and can't be passionate about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Come on, I don't, I refuse. I refuse to be more passionate about this country we call America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, and not be passionate about the Savior that has saved my soul, that saved my family, that has redeemed me from the curse of the law. You know, how many, I know this. I may not know what God has called you to do specifically in the earth of who you're supposed to marry or what kids you're supposed to have or what place you're supposed to work at. But I do know this with all confidence. I do know one thing. That God has called you in this to be a witness and a representative of Jesus Christ. To carry the good news, the gospel of Jesus. Are you hearing me today? The two greatest days in your life was number one, the day you were born. And number two is this, the day you figure out why. The two greatest days in your life is the day that you were born and the day that you figure out why. And how many of y'all know you've been born again when Jesus went to go see Nicodemus? He's talked about being born again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, you're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. We're now to be an ambassador of Jesus. Most people go through life not knowing why. You were created with a purpose for a purpose. And so I want to look at this story in Matthew 21 as we celebrate Palm Sunday. I just want to look at the purpose of you and I inside of this story today. If you're new to Christ or you're new to church and all of this thing, you may not know what Palm Sunday means. You may not get what we're celebrating today in in the story of this. But as I said before, Jesus turns his eyes and he looks towards Jerusalem. And I believe in those eyes, he sees that he's going to have a crown of thorns on his head and stripes across his back and nails inside of his hands and feet And he's going to die a gruesome death for you and I. He's going to be buried for three days, but on the third, he's going to rise again. He's been away. He's been ministering at other places, and he makes his way. And the whole reason that he comes back to Jerusalem is because he knows he's going to pay the penalty of death for you and I. And as he looks across there in the the Mount of Olives, if maybe you've been to Jerusalem, I haven't. But I've studied on this and talked to many people. Lots of people take pictures from the Mount of Olives Looking across there, that valley, the Kindron Valley that goes to the other side where you can see that gold dome. That's where he is at the Mount of Olives. It was a place, but also too, it's crowded with people because the Passover is coming. And so there's lots of people, there's lots of excitement inside. It's the triumphant entry. It's Holy Week beginning to start. And so he's coming to be crucified and what he's doing is coming to fulfill the prophecy from Genesis All the way through the Old Testament that there would be a Savior that would die for the sins of you and I. John the Baptist saw Jesus. He said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so here in Matthew 21, we see this triumphant entry here. And Mount of Olives, the Kindron Valley, the palm branches. Lots of times when when kings and generals and people of high-ranking officials or maybe somebody who maybe was uh, uh, about to be placed in some kind of political power, they would do the same thing for them. So there's lots of commotion. And here Jesus comes up over the top. And so I want to look at something inside of the story of how it pertains to us and us being a witness. As I look at the story, I've wrote down four things. And if you want to write them down, you can. If you don't want to, go ahead and write them down anyway. Number one is this. The message is perfect, but the messenger is imperfect. The message is perfect, 
but the messenger is imperfect. I want you to put yourself inside of the story here. This is the inauguration of the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings. Jesus enters Jerusalem not on a white charger. He doesn't enter Jerusalem in a convertible two-door Coupe de Ville Cadillac. But he enters Jerusalem on a lowly beast of burden, not on a horse, not a symbol of power, but on a colt of a donkey as a symbol of humility. You know, as I was thinking about this and studying, uh, I really just think to myself, why in the world did it have to be a donkey? I hate donkeys. I've been a horseshoe for years. You're like, why are you saying that? You come a horseshoe, you'll hate them too. And... Um, you know, I was, I was just thinking about, you know, there's so many animals that are inside the Bible. There's the eagle, there's the calf, there's the lion. I don't know about you. If I'm Jesus, I'm coming in on a thoroughbred, a Frisian. You know what I'm saying? Like, here I am, Belgian, Shire. Come on, some kind of Clydesdale. A donkey? Like a donkey. I don't know how tall Jesus was, but you know he had to get even shorter getting on a donkey. Like, this is Horseshoe and 101. This is how my, I, I, I was thinking about this. I mean, all the things that Jesus borrowed. He borrowed a manger to be born in. He borrowed a boat one time. I was thinking just, just you know, just sometimes when I'm meditating on a word, I think about it. And yesterday morning, I was thinking, man, Jesus borrowed a lot of stuff. He borrowed a tomb just for three days. Come on, how many of y'all thankful that, that he didn't need it very long? He just needed three days to fulfill for prophecy. He borrowed a boy's lunch. Five loaves, two fish. How many of y'all think? How, how many of y'all know the boy was thankful? He said, "You can have my lunch. Next week when I get another one, I'm going to give it to you." <laughs> how many of y'all know that's how we need to live our lives? I want to ask you: Can he borrow you, or can he have you? Are you hearing me this morning? But I was thinking about this horseshoe and 101. Like, if you have two shoes, two full shoes, and two trims, and a donkey, when you call the horseshoe and you're new to town. This is horseshoe in 101, all right? You may not have horses, no desire to have horses, but I'm just telling you if you have one down the road. If you start off saying that you have a donkey, they will act like they don't even speak English. <laughs> They're like, you called the wrong number. I'm sorry you called. Why, why, why did you call me? Right, Gabe? Gabe shot some horses. He knows exactly what I'm talking about because we hate donkeys. I've had terrible experience with some. I've had some good ones. Don't get me wrong, all right? I, I almost preach the message to you through the, through the eyes of Eeyore or the essential donkey or the way-making mule. I don't know. But I was, I was thinking about this. I've had some experience, buddy, with, with, with donkeys. I went to this place one time. They had two Jenny donkeys. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, ex-horse, you're right here. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. I, two Jenny donkeys. One's name was Hillary. I rest my case. The other one's name was Jezebel. How many of y'all know you're hard up for work when you go work on two Jenny donkeys named Jezebel and Hillary? I actually made it through Jezebel. I Honestly, I don't know which. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Holy Spirit convicted me there. All right, praise the Lord. Uh, but Hillary bit me that day. I, I, I've been nibbled on and different things like that, always by mares for some reason. Um, actually, there is a reason for that. Um, but I remember that particular day I had someone, someone uh, helping me, and this Jenny donkey named Hillary. 
of all things. I'm, where's, the, where's the jack? Is his name Bill? Because I'm out of here if his name is Bill, all right? <laughs> I am out of here, all right? <laughs> is everything still in my truck? I, you know, I, I'm just, just making sure you're not going to blind rob and pillage me, all right? And so, anyways, bit me. It was, I mean, I'm telling you, I could go on and on about some stories about donkeys, but donkeys suck. That's one of those questions. When I get to, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, Lord. Now I know they have a. You know, here's the deal. You know, in Mexico, what they'll do is, is they'll put Jennies in a herd, and if a Jenny has a baby, they will drag that. They will rope the baby and pull it onto the other side of the fence to make that Jenny even meaner. But anything that gets in that herd, they ain't going to get. I'm I'm telling you, they'll go after a stud horse. They are meaner than a junkyard. If you name one Hillary, you know they're mean. But I was thinking about this story. What a sign of humility. That Jesus doesn't come in on a thoroughbred. He doesn't come in on a Doc's Boone Hickory stud that we would think was beautiful. He comes in on a sign of humility. Come on, let that sink inside of your heart today. He comes in, and what I'm talking about is the message is perfect, but the messenger is imperfect. The whole city is shaken. You know, the religious people, they're freaking out because, in, in fact, in John chapter 12, when you read about this, in John chapter 11, he raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. We know the story of Mary Magdalene has already happened, the story of the woman at the well. The religious people are saying, this, can't, this guy can't do what he is here to do. He has, dis, he has disrupted everything. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 11 says, the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And now the flesh of the Word is riding on a donkey as a symbol of peace and a symbol of humility. Horse was a symbol of power. When a general would come in, he would come in on that big stud horse or a Frisian with a flowing mane and tail with an expensive, uh, you know, uh, saddle on its back. A military general, when he showed up, he showed up on a horse of power and a horse of pedigree. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't ride in on notoriety. He rides in on humility. Aren't you thankful that the Savior that you serve rode in on in your life in a place of, not in a place of notoriety, but in a place of humility? Aren't you thankful for that? My whole point is this. If God can use a donkey, God can use you. Let that sink in. If God can use a donkey, God can use you. And you're not a donkey. Heidi's laughing because she's like, I may be sitting by one, but uh, no. Uh, uh. No, I was going to say, if you read it in the King James, it doesn't say donkey. Just saying. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> My whole point is this. The message is perfect, but the messenger is imperfect. The, how many of y'all know Jesus is perfect? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the messenger who God has called us to be, sometimes it's imperfect, just like a donkey. And if we look at ourselves like that, we will see our brokenness. We will see our failures. We will see our imperfections. Are you getting what I'm saying? The message of Jesus is perfect, but the messenger is not always perfect. 
You know what? People, people aren't looking for arrogance. People are looking for people that are humble and walking in humility. So much. I was talking to Pastor Ty this last, last week and they're in Florida still playing golf. And he said on the third hole, he said, he, he said, Travis, I have never been around two human beings that like to use the F word like these two guys. And it was him and Pastor Luann. Can you imagine? She was like dodging bullets. He said, we were on the third hole, and they asked him what we did. He said, well, we've been in the cattle business for the last 50 years. And he said, we were also in ministry. And he said, we started a cowboy church. And he said, a cowboy church? What's that? And he said, well, it, you know, it's just church, but it's one of the first ones inside of the country. And the guy goes, so you're a preacher? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, you've got to be effing kidding me. But I thought this was so good. Pastor said this. He said, you know what? If I'd have jumped down his neck right there on hole three, it would have been awkward by hole 18. I'm telling you with all my, just like the other day, I was at Pakistan and there was a young man that was confused. Long pink fingernails. He had, I mean, his hair honestly looked like he had fixed it with a ceiling fan. He had um, all these, you know, all these different stuff inside of his ears and had this feminine voice. Y'all think that if I would have went in there and stuck my finger in his face and said, if you don't get right, you're going to go straight to hell. You think I would have got anywhere? People, I'm just here to tell you. People aren't looking for arrogance. They're looking for humility. So let's get off our high horse. And tell the story of what God's done in our life. Come on, if I can tell a story in detail of what happened at Las Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo, you ought to tell a story in detail of how it was going in one direction. But somebody came in with humility named Jesus, changed my life. And now I'm not going down the road I used to go down. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus this morning. My whole point is this. People aren't looking for arrogance. They're looking for humility. People aren't looking for arrogance. They're looking for humility. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What's your world? Where you go, the places you visit, the places that you shop, the people you're around, you work with. People are asking questions bigger than they've ever asked before. So I'm just here to remind us this morning, the messenger may be imperfect. You may have some failures in your life. You may have some hiccups. You may have some things that you wish you wouldn't have said or wish you wouldn't have done. But God still wants to use you to tell the perfect message of the cross and resurrection story. Are you making, I want to ask you the question, are you making, if God can use a donkey, God can use you. And are you making a way for the way maker? I love it in the story here in Luke and in Matthew. He both says it. He said the Lord needs it. When he told the two guys, you know, when they, they go to the person and said, there's a colt tying up, and said, hey, we got to take this colt. Be like somebody stealing your car. What are you doing with my car? What are you doing with my donkey? He goes, the Lord needs it. And I want to tell you the same way. Somebody was asked about what, uh, what are you going to do with your life? You need to answer this. The Lord needs it. Needs it. How many of y'all know the Lord needs it? 
The Lord needs it. In Acts 1.8, he said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. God's called you and I to be a witness. We're messengers of the gospel, not the national finals rodeo. Come on. Are you hearing me today? Number two, write this down. If I can grab this. Number two is this. As I read the story, there's a limit on your opportunity. Think about this. He didn't need the donkey for very long. He wasn't going to be in Jerusalem for very long. It was a limited window. It was a limited opportunity. I was thinking about this. We use this phrase. It's, an, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. But can I tell you this? We live in a lifetime of opportunities. Rather than saying, I mean, I think that's a great phrase. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. But as I was thinking about it, we live in a lifetime of opportunities. Think about this. You know, uh, I, I planted some grass you have a window of opportunity, especially in West Texas. I know how beautiful it is here, especially like days like Thursday and Friday. I don't know about y'all. I really have to be like, Lord, you have called me here for such a time as this when the wind is blowing dust and dirt. But uh, there is a window of opportunity for you to plant grass. Like you can't just do it in the middle of July. You also can't do it in the middle of January. There is a window you can either do it in September or right now. Today is your day. Today is the day that you should plant grass. Amen? And so that's a window of opportunity. I was thinking about it like this as well. We have gift cards. Sometimes I'll be, uh, I, read, I read a lot of books and so I always have books. And there'll be time during Christmas people give me books and I'll put a gift card inside of there. And I go back to, I remember something about a book. And I go back and I pick it up. The other day this happened to me and I open it up and there was a gift card inside of there. I was like, praise the Lord. Well, we went to the place of where the gift card was, and they said, sorry, this is expired. I had a window of opportunity that I could use it. Can I tell you this? There is a lifetime of opportunities to be a witness. In John chapter 9 and verse 4, uh, New American Standard, it says, We must work the works of him who sent me. As long as it is day, night is coming when no one can work. Now, I know that Jesus is talking about something else right here, but... I want you to think about this. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. You know, the reality is this. is or, or I never want to preach to you out of a place of fear. How many of y'all know the opposite of fear is love? How many of y'all know God is love? Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is? All right. Perfect love casteth out all fear. And I never want to be at a place where I preach to you that you, out of fear, you give your life to the Lord. We called it when I was young, fire insurance. That the only reason that you want to come to the Lord is because it wants to save you from hell. And can I tell you, if you come in it with that mentality, you might go back to the place of where you were. Right? And so I never want to preach you out of fear. But I also don't want to preach you out of a place where I don't show you reality because the reality is this. The Bible says that your life is a vapor. The reality is this. You can be here today and gone tomorrow. The reality is this. You're not promised your next breath. Are you hearing me this morning? I mean, y'all know we've lost loved ones way too early and we don't understand why. We don't get it. But my whole point is it's reality and not fear. There is an urgency in what we are doing today. God has you here 
God has you in the season that you're in right now, in the place that you're working, in employment, wherever you are in your life. And he has you there for a reason. It's to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Come on, you can tell your story of how he has set you free. Come on, you can tell your story. Just like I told the story of the NFR and the smoke and the music and Elvis and Las Vegas and lights, camera and action, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, if I can do that, how many of y'all know we ought to be at a place that's done nothing for me? You know, when I go to the NFR, I have to, I have, I have to pay just like everybody else. I have to pay. But you know what? Christ has paid for me. Are you hearing me today? Come on, I hope you get this inside of your spirit. There is a limit on your opportunity. God has you where you are for a reason right now. Who in your life, I want to ask you this question, who in your life that you're close to, you, that are close to you but they're far from God? Can I tell you this? It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. Here's number three. To all of this, the appropriate response is obedience. When he heard the story in Matthew 21, Mark, Luke, and John's gospel all said this. When he tells the two disciples, go and you'll find a colt that is tied up for us. This is, this, fulfilling, this is fulfilling the prophecy that we see in Genesis 49. When Jacob gives the birthright to his son Judah, he tells him, he talks about this cult that will be tied up later down the road. Zechariah talks about it. Isaiah, he is fulfilling prophecy. And, he, and these two disciples, they hear this message. And the Bible said in all four gospels, right away, they went and they got the donkey. Can I tell you the appropriate response for you and I sharing and being a witness of Jesus Christ is obedience. How many of y'all God's called us to obey? He said, go and make disciples in all the nations. I brought this up this morning. All right, in all the nations. Pastor, you're telling me I should go on a missions trip. Why would you go on a mission trip when you can, when you can just go across the street? Why would you go on a mission trip when you, there is somebody right now in your workplace that needs the saving power of Jesus Christ in their life? Why would you go on a mission trip when there's people inside of your family? Why would you go on a mission trip when there's people inside of your little kid's baseball team that they're lost and you know they're lost, but they need? They need somebody in their life to be a witness of Jesus Christ, a representative of someone who carries the gospel story. You know, every one of, every one of you can invest into somebody and every one of you can invite somebody. I believe that with all my heart. Look at the gospel of James. Not the gospel, but the book of James. Verse one, chapter 1 and verse 22, it says, but prove yourself. Everybody say, prove yourself. He says, prove yourself doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who hears the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsounding reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully into the natural face in a mirror. For... For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who carefully, he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides in it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does. How many of y'all want to be blessed? 
Come on, who out there wants to be favored? Come on, lift your hand. I believe everybody should have their hand raised. Every one of us want to be blessed. Every one of us want to be favored. But he said you've got to be a doer of the word. The appropriate response is obedience. I was studying the text in John. I was reading the book of John just a couple of weeks ago. In John chapter 1, we know the beginning of that and how it starts out. But then it talks about how Jesus meets Andrew. And Andrew asked about Jesus, and Jesus tells Andrew, he said, come and see. Uh, the passing translation says, come and see for yourself. And then Andrew goes to Peter. Peter brings him to Jesus, but you know that Andrew said the same thing to Peter, what Jesus said to Andrew. Well, what is this guy all about? Come and see for yourself. How many of y'all know we ought to live a life? That people see something on the inside of us. We can't just invite them. But you say come and see. Follow me. Walk around with me. Go with me. And I believe that you'll see that the joy of the Lord is my strength. How many of y'all being, know being a witness is more than words that just come out of your mouth? Come on. It's being, men being gentlemen and opening doors for ladies walking through the door. It's also too of having a smile on your face. Even when you drive. I mean, y'all know we need to be a witness, especially if you have an AOL sticker on your car. Do I need to talk about this again? And if you have a I Love My Church AOL banner in front of your yard, how many y'all know we ought to be a witness? Amen. Water your yard. Praise the Lord. I don't want that sign with uh, uh, yellow grass. I want it with green grass. How many y'all know red and green Uh, I'm being so judgmental of you right now, Bobby. Just kidding. All right. I would agree. I I would say this. Talking about come and see. I've I've done this with experience several times. But how many of y'all know church is a lot different when you're sitting next to somebody in a service that you've been inviting for years and you begin to see the Spirit of God do something on the inside of them. It's life-changing. I'm just telling you the appropriate response is obedience. Here's the fourth thing that I took out of the story was this. As I come to a close, everybody needs a Savior. I'm going to say that one more time without a sneeze. Sorry, Kimbra, I love you. Everybody needs a Savior. Everybody. Can I tell you, the billionaire, he needs a Savior. The millionaire, he needs a Savior. The person that's down and out, you got that right. He needs a Savior. The one who's coasting through life where he has the perfect pictures of his family on Instagram, he needs a Savior. The one that's got successful businesses and it feels like just everything's going right for them. We, I, I had a word for you this morning out of uh, the Spirit of God did out of Mark chapter 4 where wind's coming in and you look at their life and no wind comes in. No wave comes in their boat. She's like the perfect mom. She's like, she, she has the parts, she looks at it and all that. Can I tell you that mom? She needs a Savior. We all need a Savior. 
Come on, I can say that with all confidence this morning and say it with passion in my voice and in my eyes and in my actions. Everybody needs a Savior. We all need a Savior. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man's sin, therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world. It's talking about Adam. You know the apple story? And death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin, not some, but all. How many of y'all know every one of us need a solution for sin? Every one of us need a solution for sin. And can I tell you, we have an answer. And his name is Jesus. And don't think for a second that God hasn't called you to be a messenger. The message is perfect, but the messenger sometimes is imperfect. Everybody needs a savior. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. You know, last week, I finished up a series on dealing with the Blues Brother. And can I tell you, I had emails. People sent me emails. People sent me personal texts. People sent me messenger of, Pastor, I really needed this series. Because everybody's dealing with the blues. I mean, right? Our mind, will, and emotions creep up on us all the time. But can I tell you this? One of the things that I talked about is lots of times people have the blues is because they're not fulfilling the purpose of what they have. God's created them to do. And I've told you this morning that one of the purposes that God's created you to be on this earth for is to be a witness and a representative of Jesus Christ. And if you're not fulfilling that representation of him, you're going to have the blues. You're going to have the blues. Those of you that, that have done that, that have shared the gospel out in a public place, that have led somebody to the Lord, in fact, at one time, it's not that way now, but at one time, I had, I had led way more people to the Lord at the anvil than I had inside of the church. That's what I love about shoeing is when you're the horseshoer, you're like the barber. People just spill their guts on you. And I don't have the answer. But I am connected to the one who does. And I'm not... Dr. Phil, I'm going to use it in the right words lots of times. Many times I'll mess it up. But one thing that I can do is I can walk in joy. Is I can walk in love. And not be grouchy. And people can walk in and experience that my life has been set free. And it opens a door like, what do you have that I need? It's not Red Bull or coffee. It's the King of Kings and it's the Lord of Lords. It's the Alpha, it's the Omega. And so my, I'm telling you this, just, just yesterday I was at Home Depot. And I walked by the aisle there and I saw this kid that was inside of a, um, um, or this is a few days ago. I could tell that this, this person was sick. Just I knew it. And it was a young kid. 
I'm not sure how old it was. It wasn't maybe quite a teenager yet. But it was, uh, it was a young person. And as I'm walking, as I'm, I go, I'm going to the plumbing section and the Lord hits me, you've got to go pray for that young man. I didn't know if it was a man or a woman. They, they didn't have, uh, they had spotches of hair that were out. I could just tell the person was sick. So what I did was, is, man, it was all over me. And so I went back and I, I, I told them, I said, uh, I don't know you, and I don't know the story. I just know that this person is sick. In fact, I could see a hospital band on them, and uh, I could tell where they had taken out, you know, IV. And I said this. I said, but I do know Jesus, and he's healed my body, and I believe he's still the healer today, and he will heal this person's. I didn't know if it was a boy or girl, and she told me, they told me it was a, it was a young man. And I, so I said, are you a believer? And she said, yes, I am. I said, well, good. Two or more gathering in his name. He's in our midst. And I'm so thankful that I was obedient. Mark 16 says, believers can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Can I tell you, it wasn't weird. It wasn't weird. I didn't make it weird. I wasn't like shouting inside a Home Depot. Trying to bring attention to myself. The only person I want to bring attention to is the Lord. I didn't get out paint thinner, like use it as oil and put it on because I was in the paint section by this time. I didn't do any of that. Normally I have oil on me and I didn't have it at the time. But I believe the Lord is going to heal this young man from the top of his head to the soles to the tips of his toes. Will you get in agreement with me that he will be healed completely in Jesus' name? But I'm telling you, I'm telling you that because we just came out of a series of dealing with the blues. I'm just telling you. You want to walk in victory in your life? Be a witness of Jesus Christ. I can't explain it. I can't even contain it. I, I mean, like, I, I don't even know how to describe to you. When you're walking in the purpose of doing what God's called you, where he's called you to go, and do what he's called you to do, and be who he's called you to be, the blues will go out the window. I believe that with all my heart. Everybody needs a Savior. Everybody needs a Savior. The demoniac needed a Savior. You needed a Savior. Your family needs a Savior. Give them the Savior. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week.